Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, we're going to talk about the games from this past weekend, my winners and losers from this weekend, then I'm going to give some key storylines for this Thanksgiving week. Finally, we'll hear from you guys and your listener questions. Now, ladies and gents, let's kick the tires and light the fires. It's another gorgeous Monday, a beautiful time of the year. Uh, It's Thanksgiving week, personally my favorite holiday. Um, It's so many sports surrounding it, so many, uh, so much good food, good time with family. It's just, I mean, how could you not love this time of the year? Um, And what a weekend we had. I mean, (laughs) of all weekends, so many possible upsets. So many upsets that did occur. Um, we're going to dive right into it. Uh, but first, before we kind of get into the games that I covered this past week, we're just going to kind of talk about how a couple of these teams at the very top of, of the of the rankings really struggled this past weekend. Uh, Georgia really struggled to score on a Kentucky team that Vanderbilt didn't struggle to score against. Uh, lots of questions kind of being asked about some of these teams. You know, obviously... Uh, had a great time Saturday night and in williams Bryce Stadium as my Gamecocks took down the Volunteers, you know, but that's just, once again, that's another top team at the very top, struggled this weekend. Ohio State ended up winning by 13, but it was only because of a interception or a scoop and score. It was kind of, you know, I, I couldn't really tell if he threw the ball or not. He just kind of got batted up in the air and, and then the ball fell right to him. He scored a touchdown. So really that game should be a, a six or seven point win. Michigan kicked a game-winning field goal. We'll talk about it, but TCU kicked a game-winning field goal. So a lot of the a lot of these teams at the top playing unranked opponents that are kind of having just mediocre years really, really struggled this weekend. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it's you know it's week twelve. It's the eleventh game of the year for these guys. Uh, lots of lots of injuries. You know, bumps and bruises. Uh, Shane Beamer likes to say a lot that. Nobody is is healthy at this point in the season. You know, he's he's gone on on many different press conferences and gone on and said that you know the Gamecocks aren't healthy, the Volunteers aren't healthy, Georgia's not healthy. Nobody's healthy anymore. It's nobody feels one hundred percent going into this time of the year. This is when when teams really stop being contenders or stop being pretenders and become contenders. I think Brian Kelly said that to his LSU team not too long ago. You know that that. October is the month for pretenders, and November is the month for contenders. So we're really starting to see that now. Uh, this last week of the season, we're really going to kind of nail in the in the final four. Obviously, we've still got to get through the conference championships, and there's a lot of questions that could still be asked going into next weekend. Um, and, you know, if we learn anything from this weekend, sometimes big teams have bad games, and sometimes it, it can cost them a, a playoff berth, as it did for Tennessee. So... Uh, diving right into the games I picked this past week, number four TCU on the road at Baylor, another team that struggled. TCU winning on a last-second field goal as time expired, twenty-nine to twenty-eight over the Baylor Bears. Uh, this game was really close all day. Uh, not a ton of offense being played. A very, very back and forth affair. 
Um, if you didn't see it, uh, TCU was running down uh, the field on them in the last drive of the game. Time is expiring. They ran a play. They didn't have any timeouts. So they ran the kicker out on the field. They snapped the ball with three seconds, and he nailed it right through the uprights uh, to win the game on the road. You know, I picked it to be a close game. I picked the Horned Frogs to win because I thought that, you know, eventually uh, TCU would just be enough, just be too much for the Baylor Bears, and it ended up being this way. Uh, but credit to Sonny Dyke's team for executing the, the fire drill field goal, so to call it, uh, to perfection. They ran out on the field, and they ran it perfectly, and it won the game for them. So credit to them for working hard on that in practice. I know a lot of people work on that kind of emergency drill, so to speak, uh, the kind of those Thursday-Friday practices, kind of those walkthroughs. You know, you, you run a play, okay, you're down, like, go, 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 go. Um, and it showed that they've worked on it. It showed that they've, they've uh, definitely given it some time in practice because they executed it perfectly. Um, Baylor did really well to hang around in this game. Uh, you know, I think the quarterback play in this one was very, very even. Duggan went for 327 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. And Shapin went for 269 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. So a very, very even day. Uh, as far as quarterback play goes, and obviously it's it's a very even day overall, uh, considering that TCU only won by one point. Uh, but TCU does enough to survive. You know, at this time of the year, it's much less about how you win and just that you win. You know, we're kind of past the point to where you know, obviously, style points still matter. The way you win still matters to the committee. But TCU's done enough now. They're fourth in the country. If they win out, they're not going to get knocked out by anybody. I think, you know, the too many teams have lost behind them for that to be a possibility. You know, and, and with the four teams being undefeated, one of them is going to lose this upcoming weekend with Michigan and Ohio State having to play each other. Somebody's going to lose that game. So that'll put TCU into three if they can win this weekend against Ohio, Iowa State. So um, I think TCU just needs to survive in advance. They can win all all of these next two games by by one point, and I think they're fine. I think they get in at that three spot probably. So maybe even two if something crazy happens. We'll have to we'll have to kind of wait and see what happens. Uh, lots and lots of possibilities still going on, and we'll talk about that just a little later on. But just to remind you guys, TCU on a game winning field goal as time expires gets the win over the Baylor Bears, twenty nine to twenty eight. My next game was the North Carolina Wolf Pack going on the road to Louisville and losing 10 to 25. The big storyline coming into this was that neither team had their regular starting quarterback. It was announced a little bit before kickoff that Malik Cunningham would not play for the Cardinals. Um, like I said, I picked this game based off of the fact that I thought he would play, um, but I still got the game right. I think Louisville's a good team. They've got a lot of... Um, athleticism and youth on that team uh, the defense did extremely well to hold the North Carolina State offense to only 10 points um, and you know scoring in bunches kind of just how it how it needed to be um, you know they they definitely ran the ball more the highlight of the game was the kickoff return uh, the Cardinals responded with the kickoff return after North Carolina State had tied the game up three to three after a field goal uh, special teams is really the story of this one. Um, only two touchdowns combined, or excuse me, three touchdowns combined in this game. 
uh, two for Louisville and one for North Carolina State. Um, and like I said, it was a very run-heavy day. It's a cold weekend in college football. There was a lot of um, very much more running games this weekend, and this game kind of illustrated that, especially with the likes of both starting quarterbacks with Devin Leary and Malik um, Cunningham being out of this one. Um, but the Wolfpack, finally, after I said it last week, I did not think the Wolfpack were a top 25 team. Um, I just I didn't, I just didn't believe it anymore. Um, and finally, they're going to drop out of the top 25 this week with the loss to the Louisville Cardinals. Um, the AP poll has them out, but the AP poll had them out last week, so that doesn't really mean anything. But obviously, now that they've lost, they're down to 7-4. and four. Uh, Louisville's going to knock them out of the top 25 for sure this time. Uh, Louisville looking to take some of this momentum into their rivalry game against Kentucky. That game is going to be um, probably a really, really good game. Uh, Kentucky played really well against Georgia, like I said earlier, um, this weekend, holding the Bulldogs to 16 points and scoring six points of their own. So congrats to the Wildcats for keeping that one close. That's probably the the... I was watching the scores kind of come across the screen at Williams Bryce, and that was definitely the most surprising one. Um, you know, even with the with the some of the upsets that occurred with especially the North Carolina one. Like I had said before, I just thought it was inevitable that the Tar Heels would drop a game. They'd won so many close ones that eventually the the magic wouldn't occur anymore. The um, luck, so to call it would run out, and it sure did. But the Cardinals getting the win at home over the North Carolina State Wolf Pack, 25-10. to 10. My next game is very, very interesting um, in the sense that one team scored 28 points in the first quarter and did not score another point the entire game and still won the game. Uh, and that game is obviously Oklahoma State on the road at Oklahoma Oklahoma State turned the ball over on their first three drives from three interceptions from Spencer Sanders, something that we're not really accustomed to seeing. Um, He's definitely struggled this kind of back half of the season, and Oklahoma was able to capitalize on it. They went down and scored um, all three times, so it was a big, big day for the Sooners. Uh, Sanders ended up throwing four on the day, whereas Dylan Gabriel only threw one and went for two touchdowns as well. Just... You know, sometimes, like I said, there's individual performances that can help you win a football game, and sometimes there are individual performances that can make you lose a football game. And when your quarterback throws four interceptions and the other one only throws one, it's going to be very, very difficult to win a football game. Um, And we saw that today. The Sooners defense did really, really well to hold Oklahoma State to only one touchdown and two field goals with a combined 13 points. But, you know, I think that offense is still something to worry about. Um, the Sooners got that six win. They're going to go bowling, but you know, this is going to be something that we're going to have to watch going forward, especially as Oklahoma nears the entrance into the SEC is, can they get that offense more sustainable? Can they kind of figure it out? Obviously you've got Brent Venables, who's a more defensive coach. So it's not necessarily surprising that the offense is struggling right now. Um, but definitely need to look at that going forward, kind of watch that they've struggled on offense pretty much all year. So, uh, but they did enough in this one to get the win, uh, taunting the rivals in the, in the locker room afterwards. If you haven't seen the video, uh, it's pretty funny, um, doing the, what happened, um, for, with the kid from TikTok. If you haven't seen it, 
Uh, it's all over social media, so all you got to do is, is look it up. But Oklahoma hangs on. They do enough in the first quarter to get, get enough points, and their defense definitely does enough to hold the Cowboys to a loss on the road in this one. Oklahoma State falls to 7-4 and four of the year, like North Carolina State. I didn't really necessarily think that they were a top 25 team. This game just kind of cements that. They will definitely drop out, being ranked 22nd in the country. Um you know, there's a lot of seven to four teams now, a lot of um, eight and three teams that that are just much better than the Cowboys. That'll probably move above them. Um, well, I don't say probably; that will definitely move above them. So, just to remind you guys, Oklahoma getting the win over Oklahoma State at home, twenty-eight to thirteen. Our next game is probably the game of the weekend. Um, and I, from what I heard, obviously I was in Williams Bryce, so it was, I didn't get to watch this game live, but from what I heard it, it, a lot of the, the hype and the craziness from the South Carolina game kind of took away from the press coverage of this one. Um, but the USC Trojans were going to the Rose Bowl and getting the win 48 to 45 over UCLA. This cements the Trojan spot in the Pac-12 playoff. And puts them in an excellent position going forward to where I think if they win out, they'll be in as long as LSU doesn't beat Georgia. Um, and if they do, you know, it's going to offer um, a very, very interesting conversation for the committee to have as to whether to put a, a conference champion LSU with two losses or a conference champion uh, USC in with one loss. But they get the win over UCLA. Uh, USC, it doesn't get easier from here. They've got to go to Notre Dame. Or no, I think they host Notre Dame, excuse me. They host Notre Dame this upcoming weekend before going to uh, San Francisco to play what I think will probably be the Oregon Ducks in the Pac-12 playoff uh, championship game. So, uh, But this one highlighted by quarterback play. Caleb Williams going for 470 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception uh, Jones also running the ball had a great day going for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Jordan Addison as well having a great day receiving going for 11 catches, 178 yards and a touchdown. Like I say, guys, sometimes they're just individual performances on a football field that just ensure a win. And you know, while it was still close, when you have guys putting up numbers like that, it's going to be very, very, very difficult to win. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson did not have a bad day either. Uh, the only problem with Dorian Thompson Robinson is he threw three interceptions and one that sealed the game at the very, very end. Um, but he went for 309 yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions, like I just mentioned. Um, just, you know, UCLA jumped out to a quick lead, 14 to nothing in the first quarter. Uh, but USC responded quickly with a 20 to 7 second quarter. And that game just kind of became a shootout after that. Um, the Trojans, like I said, were able to get an interception when UCLA was driving on the last drive of the game. To seal it, they were then able to run the clock out and win the game. So Lincoln Riley's side really, like I said, put themselves in an excellent position. Um, I, I would say that they've got a very good strength of schedule now. You know, they, they've beaten a couple ranked teams in a row here. They've got another chance at another ranked win this weekend with Notre Dame. And then they'll definitely have a chance with a ranked win in the Pac-12 championship game. So the Trojans kind of boosting that strength of schedule thanks to some of those other teams they're playing having good years. They're they're putting themselves in a really, really good position to where, like I keep saying with TCU, I think if they win out, they're in a great spot to get in, uh, barring something absolutely bizarre from everybody else. So... Just to remind you guys, USC getting the win over UCLA, 48 
to 45. In my final game of the weekend, the Utah Utes went to Eugene to play the Oregon Ducks and lost 17-20. to This game um, had a lot of questions being asked about it, especially with the, the question and the concern about Bo Nix. Would he play? Would he not play? Uh, it was all the way up until a kickoff. You know, sometimes people will say it's a game-time decision, but really they know what they're going to do. But from what from what it sounded like on the broadcast, from what it sounded like um, from a couple different people in Dan Lanning after the game, it really, really was a game-time decision. They waited to see how Knicks did in warm-ups. They waited to see how he felt in the locker room after he got a little stiff and he was able to play and had a day, did he? He went 4-25 for 37 for 287 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Uh, that interception was costly at the very end of the game, um, but... Unfortunately, on the other side for Utah, Cam Rising went for 21 for 38 for 170 yards and three interceptions. Two of those interceptions came on the last two drives of the game where he turned it over twice, uh, and the Ducks were able to kind of get away with the interception of their own and survive. Um, like I said, I think I think Oregon with Bo Nix is a really, really good team. Um, I think it's very, very unfortunate that he got hurt in that Washington game because I would really love to see this Oregon Ducks team um, have a chance at a playoff performance, have a chance to challenge Ohio State, TCU, maybe have another go at Georgia. I'm not necessarily saying that I think they would win the national championship, but I'm saying that that game in Atlanta a couple months ago, just that's not the same Oregon team we're seeing now. So, uh, like I said, just a real shame. Injuries happen. You see that. We'll talk about it a little later on with Hendon Hooker. I wish that guy a speedy recovery. I remember it happened right in front of us, um, and the whole place gasped. It was, uh, it was just you know something you don't want to see. It's the the bad side of sports is the injury side. So, uh, but Oregon taking care of business in this one in a close one, twenty to seventeen. Um, I think, you know, Oregon's definitely kind of put themselves as the second best team in the Pac-12 now. Uh, this game was really kind of to determine who was that second best team. And with a win this weekend against their rivals, uh, Oregon State, they will be able to challenge USC in the Pac-12 championship game. Definitely not going to be an easy game going to Cornvallis uh, to take on the Beavers, but I think one that the the Ducks will hopefully take care of business because uh, another another really big game at the top between Oregon and USC would be just great TV and really fun to watch. So just to recap. Oregon getting the win over the Utes, 20-17 to at home. Just to recap my games of the weekend, TCU going on the road to Baylor and getting the win, 29-28. to North Carolina State going on the road to Louisville and losing, 10-25. to Oklahoma State on the road in Oklahoma and losing, 13-28. to USC on the road at UCLA and getting the win, 48 to 45 and finally Utah traveled to Oregon and lost 17 to 20. Don't go anywhere. We've got our winners and losers and key storylines next. Lots of big games this weekend offer lots of winners and losers and we're going to start with my South Carolina Gamecocks getting the win over number 5 Tennessee. Um I don't think anybody expected the Gamecocks to score more than 20 points in this one. I know I sure didn't. 
Um, definitely didn't expect them to score 63 and just have the day that they had. Spencer Rattler proved that he is still an NFL caliber quarterback going 30 for 37 for six touchdowns and over 400 yards. Uh, just like I keep saying, sometimes individual performances ensure that you win a football game. And anytime somebody has six touchdowns, you're going to win a football game. So South Carolina, for upsetting the volunteers and storming the field, you are one of my winners of the week. Next is TCU. Like I keep saying, TCU executing the fire drill field goal to perfection to get the win on the road over Baylor. I expected it to be close. Vegas expected it to be close. But they got the win. They survive. They advance. Like I keep saying, I think if TCU just wins out, they're good to go. So they are also one of my winners of the week. Next is Oregon. Oregon responded extremely well after a heartbreaking loss last week to Washington. Bo Nix proving that he got that dog in him for coming back with an ankle injury and playing extremely well. If you didn't watch the game, Bo Nix still didn't look right, but he played through the pain. He he showed up, showed his toughness, and got the win for Oregon. So Oregon is also one of my winners of the week. And finally is Oklahoma. Oklahoma responded to get bowl eligible and beat their ranked rivals, Oklahoma State, in Bedlam. Like I said, scoring 28 points in the first quarter and hanging on defensively to hold off the Cowboys from answering and responding with any more points of their own. So that'll get you in my winners of the week. Lastly, my honorable mention for winner of the week is Iowa. Iowa went on the road and took care of business over Minnesota 13-10. to Honorable mention because they're not quite into the Big Ten championship game yet, but I, with a win this upcoming weekend over Nebraska, they are in. So just to recap, South Carolina, TCU, Oregon, and Oklahoma are my winners of the week with an honorable mention of Iowa. Next, my losers of the week are going as following Tennessee. Tennessee came into the South Carolina game thinking it was going to be a cakewalk. They would walk all over the Gamecocks and, and score 100 points, and the Gamecocks wouldn't score at all, and they'd win the ball ballgame. Uh, it showed with how many Tennessee fans were there. If you didn't see the broadcast, um, I remember sitting outside of Williams-Price waiting to kind of go inside, and there were just flooding of, of orange in Williams-Price. It was all over the place, and I could not have been any happier that we won. Uh, but Tennessee, you blew it. You lost your chance at a playoff. There's absolutely no way you get in now. I just, I mean, so many people would have to lose. It's just not going to happen. So, loser of the week is Tennessee for blowing it against South Carolina. Next is UNC. UNC, like I said, had eked out so many close wins that eventually the luck was going to run out. Eventually, the ball wouldn't bounce their way. And this weekend, it happened. Josh Downs dropped a touchdown pass going into the end zone. It would have been the touchdown pass that gave them enough points to beat the Yellow Jackets. Unfortunately for them, he dropped it. Uh, a receiver that is definitely going to be a really high NFL draft pick. Just consequently, sometimes your luck runs out. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. Sometimes Josh Jones doesn't catch a touchdown that he would anytime else. Uh, so with the loss to Georgia Tech, you get into my loser of the week. Next is Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, you lost to Oklahoma. You couldn't score enough points in three quarters to match the Sooners in one so that's definitely going to get you in my losers of the week. Finally is Ole Miss. Ole Miss, you went on the road to Arkansas and you got smacked around kind of like Tennessee. You just sometimes, you know, people come into games expecting to win by so much that you get comfortable. It's called a trap game. I've also heard some people call it a sandwich game. 
I don't really understand that one. Trap game sounds a lot more better, so that's what I'm going to say. More better, good English. But that's okay. We're going to keep rolling with it. So just to remind you guys, losers of the week are Tennessee, UNC, Oklahoma State, and Ole Miss. My dishonorable mention for loser of the week actually won their game, but it is the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, they they beat UMass by a final score of twenty to three. It was ten to three at halftime. Uh, from what I heard and saw pictures of, it was a sold out crowd, or almost a sold out crowd down in College Station, and um, they just—I mean—they were gone by halftime. I saw pictures of the second half kickoff, and there was just nobody there. Uh, Texas A&M just continues to struggle. I, I have no idea what's going wrong there down in Texas. I just. It's a bizarre situation, but only scoring 20 points on a UMass team that is 1-10 and 10 on the year, just it's, it's mind-boggling. I don't know how you could have so much talent, so many so many star prospects, and barely beat a UMass team that's 1-10 that loses to everybody uh, by a final score of 20-3. So that is going to make you my dishonorable mention for loser of the week. Getting into some key storylines. It is rivalry week in college football. Uh, some of the best time of the year. I know I've texted a couple of my friends out at Clemson that I hated Clemson and that they suck. So it's all love. It's all fun. We hate each other this week. We love each other the next. But it is rivalry week. Uh, a ton of fun. Uh, everybody loves this week. It's a good time. Even when your rival is uh, sometimes a lot better than you, especially, you know, kind of you look at the the Auburn-Alabama matchup this year or the, the Georgia-Georgia Tech matchup every year. It's just... Those teams are so much better, but for one week, you, you have hope. For one week, you convince yourself that it's possible. I'm really glad that the Gamecocks won this weekend because I thought Clemson would just run us out the building, but we got a little hope. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but it's rivalry week, ton of fun, uh, super exciting, lots of teams still kind of fighting for playoffs chances. Uh, the rivals will definitely be looking to spoil that party. Also, it is feast week in college men's basketball. Lots of exciting, kind of fun games going on. Uh, last night, there were lots of great games. The game of the night was Gonzaga playing kind of at home. It was in Spokane, but it was in like the Spokane Center or whatever. But oh, we're going to call it a home game. Uh, playing at home against Kentucky and getting the win 88-72. to uh, The Wildcats dropping two games now to the likes of Gonzaga and Michigan State. Uh, but lots of exciting college basketball on. The Battle for Atlantis is this week. The Maui Gym Invitational is, is this week. The Phil Knight Invitational something, something, something. I don't know. There's a hundred different tournaments going on right now. Uh, lots of tournaments ended this weekend. Congratulations to College of Charleston for getting the win over Virginia Tech to take home the, um, I guess, championship trophy in that one, if you want to call it that. Uh, Virginia took home the main event belt in Las Vegas with a win over Illinois as well. And finally, UMass took down the Charlotte 49ers to win the Myrtle Beach Invitational. So those are the kind of the, the tournaments that were this past week or last week. There's much more uh, exciting kind of big name teams playing this upcoming week during Feast Week. So lots of exciting college basketball on. Uh, still not quite into conference play yet, but that's coming up soon after some of these Tournaments are over, kind of like the preseason, regular season uh, kind of time is, is done and over. Finally, my last storyline of the week is how are some of these 
uh, scores from this past weekend going to have playoff implications? I think the biggest one, obviously, everybody looks at is Tennessee's loss to South Carolina. Tennessee kind of put themselves outside of that playoff picture now with the loss. Um, you know, definitely, if you're you're a USC fan or a Clemson fan or a LSU fan, you're really really happy that uh, Tennessee dropped a game because I think it was going to be very difficult for the committee to look at Tennessee, especially if they had won out and said, well, you know, they beat Alabama, they beat. Uh, Kentucky and South Carolina and all these teams that they were supposed to beat and they did it handily and and they're probably the second best team in the country for being really honest especially on offense um, you know they got to get in right but they dropped the game they lost another one to an unranked South Carolina team they're definitely not getting in now uh, I think that best benefits the Trojans and, and definitely the Tigers well both Tigers but I still don't think LSU's got a chance against Georgia. I think Georgia's going to line up and run about the building like they do pretty much everybody else, except for Kentucky, apparently. But um, lots of implications still still to come in, especially this upcoming weekend as we look at the Ohio State-Michigan game. It's going to be really, really fun to watch that game and see uh, who has the best game, who has the better day, because sometimes it's not even the better team wins, but who has the better day. Um, but lots of exciting college athletics going on, as well as some playoffs. We've got the men and the women playing in their postseason tournament. Uh, the men played their first and second round of games this past week. and We've got some upsets to report, starting with the UCLA Bruins knocking off the Clemson Tigers at home. UCLA Bruins kind of being outside of that first, that top 16 were technically unranked, so to speak, uh, but they beat the Clemson Tigers at home. Uh, Portland beat number eight Oregon State at home as well, as well as Michigan State beating number nine Lipscomb, Vermont beating number 11 SMU, Pittsburgh beating number 16 Akron. Uh, The biggest couple wins of the weekend were Marshall winning in PKs over number four Virginia. Creighton handing Washington their L by a final score of three to one in that one. Um, you know, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of upsets to report, um, but definitely some kind of big storylines to watch going forward. Some of the big teams knocked out, some of the big teams still left to play with the likes of Kentucky, Syracuse, some of those bigger top four teams still in there competing for a chance at a national championship and carry here in just a couple weeks on the women's side of the sport they have reached the elite eight as they call it in basketball the elite eight matchups are as following number one florida state taking on number three arkansas number one alabama taking on number two duke number one ucla taking on number three virginia and number one notre dame taking on number two North Carolina. So still some really, really great teams. All four number one teams are still left to play. Uh, and number two and number three teams left as well. So it's going to be lots of fun. Those games are this upcoming week before they travel down to Cary on the 2nd and the 5th of uh, December in order to play for a chance at a national championship. So covering that. Also to note, the North Carolina Tar Heels took home the national championship for women's field hockey this past week. So congratulations to the Tar Heels for the big win in that one. Uh, That's going to do it for our sports 
side of the podcast. We're going to get into some listener questions, and I've got two. I picked two. I had a couple more, but I only picked the top two because I like these two the best. Uh, the first one is from LCM Pageant on Instagram, and she says, Can South Carolina become a top team in the coming seasons? I think that Shane Beamer and, and his staff are recruiting at an extremely high level. If you look at it, the Gamecocks are ranked 15th in the country in this year's class, bringing in lots of notable four and potentially a five-star in Nicholas Harbor. Um, definitely going in the right direction, I'll say that much. Um, I heard a rumor that they were going to try and flip a four-star wide receiver who just committed to Tennessee not too long ago. Um, definitely, you know, sometimes those recruits can recruit each other. Um, and that's definitely going on a lot on Instagram and Twitter right now. So to answer your question, I think they can. I think Shane Beamer has to address the problems at offensive coordinator right now. Obviously, he came out and said that uh, Marcus Satterfield was calling all the games on on uh, on Saturday night. Um, but, you know, I was there. I watched the broadcast. From what I could tell and what it looked like to me, at least, was that Marcus Satterfield was definitely in direct communication with Shane Beamer on most of the play call. If you watch them, they were standing close to each other pretty much the whole time, as well as looking like they were talking to each other the headsets. Um, I don't necessarily think that's something that we normally saw. Um, what I you know, had noticed from games past was that Beamer would kind of give him his space and let him call his own plays. But I definitely think that Beamer, while Satterfield called the plays, I think Beamer had a little bit of a a role to play in choosing which plays were called. So I, I think there's a chance. I definitely think there's a chance. Uh, I, I will be interested to see kind of how Tennessee responds next year. You know, they have this wonder season. They, they're they probably going to win their next game against Vanderbilt and, and, and finish with only two losses on the year at 10-2. and two. They'll go to a nice bowl game. They'll, you know, bowl games don't really matter. So many people opt out nowadays that you can't really even tell who's the better team in that one. But, um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, who's that next best team in the SEC East. South Carolina is going to finish third in the SEC East this year, Tennessee right in front of them. So, um, you know, like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think it more dictates on Tennessee than South Carolina because while while South Carolina is recruiting at a really high level, so is Tennessee, especially after a year like this. So if South Carolina can make a habit out of beating the teams like Kentucky and Texas A&M and Tennessee, and if they can pick up wins against maybe a Missouri or a Florida, I definitely think they've got an even better chance at potentially challenging Georgia here in a couple years like Tennessee did this year and and, and having a go at uh, the Bulldogs to challenge for the top spot in the SEC East. Um, but to answer the question, can South Carolina become a top team in the coming seasons? I think it's going to take some time. I think it's going to take at least two more years before Beamer's side is anywhere close to where the Bulldogs are. Um, you know, we're taking top as the very tippity top. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of people would argue that they're one of the top teams right now. Um, you know, Beamer said all week that sometimes good teams have bad games. He went on his press conference after the Tennessee game and kind of noted how some of the Super Bowl winners from these past couple of years have had games where they slip up and, and they lose. And I agree with him, but I think that there is also, you know, Georgia doesn't slip up. Tennessee, you know, while they slipped up, they normally don't slip up. So, it happens sometimes. Obviously, in college athletics, you see it uh, more than the NFL. A lot of times, just because these are kids, they've got to go to chemistry class and anatomy class and economics. Like they've still got to you know worry about stuff that kids worry about. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Carolina can continue to recruit at the level they're recruiting at. 
Um, but I think they can. I think it's inevitable. Uh, the the people here, the the crowd, the fans, the atmosphere, it's it's awesome. If you haven't been out to a game at Williams Bryce Stadium, uh, you definitely need to make that a bucket list thing because sandstorm at night with the lights, it's just it's another it's another level. So uh, to answer your question, I think they can. Yes. Um, and it's going to be really exciting to watch and see. And obviously, as a South Carolina student, as a as a future alum, I really, really hope the Gamecocks can pull it together and, and kind of string together some really good years. My next question, we're moving away from college athletics. Uh, I've actually got some games on right now. But Noah Turner.2004 says, World Cup predictions, question um, mark. A big, uh, personally my favorite sporting event is going on right now, the World Cup uh, the U.S. play today. They play Wales later on. I'm actually watching the Senegal-Netherlands uh, game right now. It's 0-0 zero to zero in the 70th minute. Uh, it's on mute, so you guys can't hear it, but I'm watching it still. Um, my World Cup predictions is that I think England's going to have a great tournament, especially after the game today where they thrashed Iran 6-2. to two. Um, I think they'll probably have a deep run. I think Argentina and Brazil as well will have good runs. Um, and maybe Portugal will have to kind of wait and see kind of how the, situ- the situation with Cristiano Ronaldo uh, plays out. But I definitely think that it's going to come down to either Argentina, Brazil, or England to challenge. I think the U.S. will have a good tournament. I wouldn't be shocked if they get out of the – I will. I would – let's put it this way. I would be pretty shocked if they didn't get out of the group. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if they got to the quarterfinals and maybe even further. I think the U.S. is in a really good spot. They've got a young team with a lot of momentum. Uh, I think they've got a good coach in Greg Berhalter. I know a lot of people don't necessarily like Greg. Um, I'm a believer. I think that sometimes you just got to give the coach a little bit of time, um, and especially with some some weeks and and months of preparation. I think Greg's team is going to have a have a big role to play in the way that he wants to play the system he plays. I think it's going to play out really really well at a World Cup. So that's my World Cup predictions, and that's going to do it for the show today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We did well to keep it short. I could have talked for forever, but I didn't. So you're welcome. Uh, Make sure you go and follow the social medias at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H on Twitter and next underscore gen underscore athletics on Instagram. I've got an exciting interview coming up this week. Hopefully that'll get out on Thursday or Friday, depending on what what day I record the next podcast. But that will be at the end of the podcast, um, whatever podcast day that is next. So stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a great conversation, um, and I'll kind of tell you guys who that is later on. But that's going to do it for the show today. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving week. Um, I'm excited to go home and see some family up in Virginia later on this week. Um, I'm going to get out and cover a little bit of college basketball for you guys as well. So excited for that. Have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your week, and we will talk to you guys later on.